Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Serial Killer Podcast, the podcast dedicated to serial killers, who they were, what they did, and how. Tonight, on New Year's Eve, the year 2018, we travel once again over 400 years back in time, to the jagged peaks and boggy marshlands of 16th century Hungary, and the cruel reign of Elizabeth Bathory. The Blood Countess. Last week, on Christmas Eve, perhaps over a cup of mulled wine, we followed young Elizabeth as she grew from a child into a young married woman. Tonight, we continue that journey, and we will start to see how Elizabeth's servants suddenly started to disappear. Also, this episode is published on New Year's Eve, the 31st of December. As such, I would like to thank you, dear listener, for staying with me during the year of 2018. As a small token of my thanks, this episode is entirely free of any sponsored ads. It is financed 100% by you, my loyal patrons and listeners. The Serial Killer Podcast recently reached a fantastic milestone. By the 1st of December 2018, this show has over 10,300,000 downloads. I remember well my first episode over two years ago, back in July of 2016. When it by August 2016 had over 2,000 downloads, I was really happy. So, 
You can imagine my delight at now reaching the 10 million mark. The podcast is a labor of love, but I could not do it without you, dear listener, and especially those of you that donate to the show via Patreon. I have created several tiers for those of you that wish to be a producer of the show, because that is what you are when you support the show financially. If you pledge one dollar, that is still a really big help. But you are of course welcome to donate more, and the rewards for doing so grows the larger the donation is. For example, I will read out a public thank you if you donate $15. And if you really want to join the TSK aficionados, donate $50 or more. Go to patreon.com slash the serial killer podcast to learn more. Any donation is greatly appreciated. The Castle Sarvar is still standing today, exactly like it was all those centuries ago. The main building is a pentagon, with a four stories high main tower also acting as an entrance with a large iron gate. The moat surrounding the castle is no longer filled with swampy water, but a bridge crossing it is still there. The area is no longer a swampy, smelly, mosquito-infected medieval hellscape, but actually quite picturesque. It's located in today's western side of Hungary. The name Sarvar literally means mud castle. Sar translated as mud and var translated as castle. The castle is also called Nadazdi Castle, from the family that first owned it, among them Elizabeth Bathory, the widow Nadazdi. Now, imagine, if you will, dear listener, this same castle back in the late 1500s. The now ancient halls were filled with hatred, anger and tension. Much has been said and written about young Erzabet and her mother-in-law, Countess Orsolia Nadazdi. They are said to hate each other, and that Erzabet learned various methods of cruelty from watching her mother-in-law discipline servants at Sarvar. However, such animosity, or lessons in cruelty, cannot have lasted very long. Orsolia Nadazdi died in the spring of 1571, the same year Elizabeth became engaged with Orsolia's son. Without Orsolia's watchful eye, and with her fiancé off at school or away on adventures with friends, Elizabeth probably had considerable free time. The Nadasdi court flaunted its money on parties and patronizing the arts. Artists, philosophers, schools and libraries flourished in the Nadasti homelands. Young Elizabeth probably got much of her education as a result of this, and was certainly exposed to the most contemporary ideas 
of her time. But even if she had everything material she could want at Sarvar, she might have been quite unhappy there. The culture there was quite different than the one at Exed. At Exed she had been allowed to frolic like a boy, but at Sarvar it was quite a different matter. She was being groomed to be a wife, a noblewoman of high station. Everything was regulated. Eating, dressing, walking and speaking should all be conducted like a lady. Sarvar was also a large and well-run estate, and Erzabet would have had long periods of time when she was unsupervised and with nothing to do. This resulted in her getting into trouble. Two years before her marriage, in 1573, the 13-year-old Erzabet became involved in an illicit affair with a young man while staying at an Adasti manor in Ternaba. His name was Ladislav Bende. Some sources say Bende was a servant, others that he was a young nobleman. She became pregnant from her illicit liaison and gave birth to a daughter. The baby was immediately taken from her and moved to some place in Transylvania or Wallachia. The Bathory family did everything in their power to cover up the scandal, including hush money to raise the child in secret. Her groom-to-be, Count Nadasti, was furious and had Ladislav Bender's genitals sliced off and fed to the dogs. Premarital affair or not, the wedding between Erzabet and Ferenc took place according to plan. On the 8th of May, 1575, 14-year-old Erzabet and 19-year-old Ferenc married at Varano Castle in Vrano. The celebration went on for several days. By all accounts, the lavishness of the celebration rivaled that of a king's wedding, with 4,500 invited guests. The Holy Roman Emperor himself was invited to the wedding, although he did not actually attend. He did personally pen a letter of congratulation to the young couple, where he outlines the various lavish gifts he has ordered to be given them on his behalf. The wedding was properly medieval, and included a jousting tournament where Ferenc proved his athletic abilities. At the conclusion of the jousting, the bride was presented with his wedding gift to her, Castle Cheche, and its seventeen accompanying villages. An oddity for its time was that Elizabeth chose to keep her maiden surname of Bathory instead of taking her husband's name of Nadasdi. This was probably due to the fact that she came from a far more prestigious bloodline than Ferenc did, and he is reported to have taken on her the Bathory name to his as well. However, her contemporaries did not always respect this, and in official documents written by others, she is usually referred to as Widow Nadasti or Lady 
Nadasti. Both Ferenc and Elizabeth inherited their parents' vast properties, generating enormous wealth for the young couple. Collectively, they would own thousands of acres of land, dozens of towns and more than 20 castles across present-day Hungary, Slovakia, Austria, Romania and the Czech Republic. By all accounts, Elizabeth was a good wife and mother, at least publicly. She attended official functions with her husband, publicly practiced religion, gave money to the poor, and even assisted with the administration of health care for her staff and surrounding villages. In 1578, only three years after their wedding, Ottoman Turks were again conducting open raids across the countryside. Mindful that Ferenc's father, Thomas, had betrayed both Joliai and the Turks, the younger Nadasdi now set forth, refortifying the family properties and collecting an army in preparation to meet the enemy. He had prepared for this moment his entire life, and the thrill of finally riding off to battle was probably very exhilarating for him. Over the years, Ferenc would clash with the Turks several times, earning him the title as High Stablemaster, the Black Bay, and the Black Knight of Hungary by his enemies. He was a captain in the Hungarian army, and he would spend his entire life engaged in warfare against the Muslim Ottoman Turks. For 18-year-old Erzabet, this meant she was left home alone for long periods of time. The couple had not yet had any children, and she had little to do. There are many rumors as to what she filled her days with, such as sexual acts with male servants, learning witchcraft, torture, and how to make love to other women. By her mid-twenties, she seems to have settled into a routine. She spent her time at Sarvar and Kareshdor castles. She also visited other properties at least once a year. Her lifestyle was typical of noble women of her time. When she arose in the morning, she would begin a lengthy process of dressing, with the assistance of her ladies-in-waiting. If attending a formal event or receiving visitors, she would rise very early before sunrise to begin a more elaborate process involving hair and makeup work. On a typical day, she would spend her time looking after the estate, managing staff, consulting with her court officials and supervisors, dictating or writing letters, paying bills, reviewing documents, making rounds both inside and outside the manor, and receiving visitors. Lunch would be taken around 11 a.m. Leisure time included horseback riding, picnics, hunts, drives into town and reading. She also enjoyed going to the spa at Piestani, as well as shopping and attending concerts in Vienna. Dinner would be served around 6 p.m. If there were no visitors, the countess would retreat to her bedchamber by dark. 
as most nobles of the day, Ferenc and Erzbet, had constant trouble raising liquid capital. They were enormously rich on lands, but poor on readily available gold and silver currency. While Ferenc was away warring, Erzabeth was in charge of the day-to-day economics. Judging from her letters and correspondence, she had a discerning eye upon even the smallest transactions. One of her letters regarding day-to-day financial management reads as follows. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have our burdens to bear, dear listener, and as a man, I was and am often told to suck it up, keep calm, and carry on. Normally, good advice in many situations, but never talking about what bothers you is not healthy. Therapy is great to get things off your chest, to vent, and best of all, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Everyone needs someone to talk to, even psychopaths, even your humble host. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash serial killer today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash serial killer. Our thanks, after which we wish to inform you that we desire to see this letter carried out without any delay. Give a stone of wheat to Benedict Balas at the mill. We have not agreed to anything more. God keep you. Donat Sarvar, April 7th, 1587. Her ladyship... Elizabeth Bathory. End quote. More than ten years into the marriage, there are still no obvious signs that Elizabeth was on a collision course to becoming one of the worst serial killers of all time. Letters from the time show a very typical Hungarian noblewoman. Sometimes she can express slight annoyance with a delayed delivery of goods but she is always curt and proper. One matter remained a cause for distress, the issue of children and heirs to the family fortune. 
There is no record of a child until the birth of their daughter Anna, around 1585, ten years after the couple wed. There are many theories as to why the couple waited so long to have children. One obvious reason is that Ferenc was so often away fighting wars, but he did return home often enough that this cannot explain it alone. Another theory is that the couple secretly hated each other, although no eyewitness testimony exists to confirm this. Erzabet may also have had fertility problems, as this was very common among Hungarian nobility of the time. Eventually the couple ended up having several children, but several of them died before reaching adulthood. By the date of her will in 1610, Countess Bathory would identify only three children to whom she left her entire estate in equal shares, daughters Anna and Kata and son Paul. As the only male beneficiary, the primary estate at Sarvar would ultimately pass to Paul. Erzsebet was a very mature woman by the time standing, having Paul at age 38. It was after having her children we can start to notice something not being right regarding Erzsebet Bathory. At first, no one raised much fuss when a servant girl suddenly died in the night in the women's sections of Castle Sarvar. Her body was placed in a casket and the priest summoned he was surprised to see the casket was already nailed shut. Ordinarily, he would have expected to have found the body laid out on a bed. The countess quietly took him aside and said, I'm afraid we have a case of cholera on our hands, and I do not want to alarm the other servants or create a panic in town. The priest nodded understandingly. Inside Castle Sarvar, however, the female staff members were unusually quiet that day. When no one was in sight, they whispered constantly. More servants started to disappear. The Sarvar clergy was summoned again, and once again he found the casket nailed shut. The casket was also much larger than usual holding three bodies instead of one. The priest asked the countess why there were three bodies in a single casket. Elizabeth showed slight annoyance at such a question and answered that there were not three bodies, but two. She ordered them to be buried in one grave. The priest, feeling his Christian conscience pressing him to push the matter further, did not let up. He asked what happened to them. And why did the servants die so quickly, one after the other? The countess simply said that it would cause less gossip if the servants were buried together and would not elaborate any further. The belfry master took the young priest aside and said, Father, it's best not to say anything or question the lady about these things. The priest started to protest but the belfry master simply countered with the statement, It will go badly for the servants if you do. 
What began as an isolated incident slowly turned into an ever-increasing flood of dead bodies that began to follow Countess Bathory wherever she went. In the preliminary investigation against the Countess that took place years later in October of 1610, the first witness was the very same young priest that first had objected to the servants being buried together. His name was Benedek Bixerdi. He testified that to his knowledge there were at least 175 girls and women who had died, but he knew nothing regarding how they died. Once he did glimpse a bloodstain on one of the walls, and said that when he had been walking outside along the castle walls, he could hear the sounds of lashings. He knew, judging by the sounds, that the lashing and beating could go on for six or more hours at a time. If Benedict's estimate of the death toll seemed high, another witness confirmed it. Balthazar Pobi, also a priest, testified that he had heard the number of victims who had died from the after-effects of torture actually numbered over 200, maybe even as high as 300. Other servants, clergy and townspeople from Sarvar and the surrounding areas would come forward. They all said the same thing. Burials and funerals took place at an alarming rate, and the dead were almost always young servant girls. Access was forbidden to a certain part of the estate under heavy guard, and everyone had heard tales that girls had died as a result of torture. Reverend Michael Zvunaric claimed that when the Countess was in the house, it was not possible to see anything unusual since the staff had been strictly warned not to enter certain rooms. He too had heard rumours that an inner room, always guarded by a man named Drabont, was the site of horrific torture and murder, but he had never seen it with his own eyes. Evidently the Countess Bathory was very adept at covering her bloody tracks. Benedek reported that a few times he was called for in the secret areas of the castle. Everything was cleaned up, and there was nothing to see. The fact is that the death of a few servants was hardly unusual in the sixteenth century. It was not common to bathe or wash more than once a week, if that, and hygiene in general was extremely poor. The nobility often defecated beneath the stairs or inside cupboards, and the servants had to clean it up, and they did not necessarily wash themselves afterwards. Disease was rampant. Both cholera, plague, and other ailments were common occurrences that left numerous corpses in their wake. So at first, no one cared much for the news of a few dead servant girls. However, the numbers started to rapidly multiply. More stories of torture and outright murder, combined with bizarre behavior, began to bubble to the surface. It went so far that a local chaplain 
Pastor Istvan Magyare gave the Countess a flaming rebuke from his pulpit sermon that goes as follows. My brothers and sisters, in order for me to remain at the pulpit, I must disclose something of the utmost importance to you. I cannot conceal it. It must be even more so announced that, regarding the girl, your grace should not have so acted because it offends the Lord, and we will be punished if we do not complain to and criticize your grace. In order to confirm that my words are true, we need only exhume the body. You will find that the marks identify the way in which death occurred. The Countess, who had sat before the pulpits on the first row of pews, did not take such public scorn laying down. She countered immediately as follows. See here, Minister Istwan, you will soon see that I will make you pay for this. My husband and I have relatives who will not tolerate that you bring such shame on me and denounce me so. You have introduced me to an outrageous situation in which I am subjected to the pulpit, including even the indictment of my husband. End quote. At the mention of her husband, she rose up and started to walk out of the church, taking her attendants with her. As she walked away, the brave minister shouted at her, If your grace has relatives, then I also have a relative, the Lord God. But for better proof of what I say, let us dig up the body, and then we will see what you have done. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And so ends Chapter 2 of The Tale of the Blood Countess. This series will continue next week, and I promise more graphic details into Elizabeth Bathory's bloody reign then. In the meantime, as they say in the land of radio, stay tuned. I have been your host, Thomas Weiborg Thun. This podcast had not been possible if it hadn't been for my dear patrons that invest in this show via Patreon. My special thanks go out to those of you that have stayed loyal for a long time. Those of you I would like to give an extra heartfelt thank you to are 
Sandy, Amber, Anne, Christina, Charlotte, Claudette, Evan, Joe, Lisbeth, Maud, Mickey, Philip, PJ, Sarah, and Troy. Your monthly contributions really helps keep this podcast thriving. You have my deepest gratitude. If you wish to have your name read here on the podcast, go to patreon.com slash the serial killer podcast now and choose the $15 tier option and I'll make sure to include you in this very exclusive club. As always, I thank you, dear listener, for listening. And please feel free to leave a review on your favorite podcast app, my Facebook page at facebook.com slash the SK podcast or website. And please do subscribe to the show if you enjoy it. Thank you. Good night and good luck.